This week on Champion Church Fort Worth, the podcast, we have a special guest speaker who may sound a bit familiar. He'll be speaking about the Champion Youth Ministry, as well as outlining a very simple plan to continue the victory we find in Jesus. Here's Peyton. Today is actually all about uh, celebrating our victory, and we've got a lot to celebrate in this church, as you can see today, right? Um, we had some victories at camp. Um, we were joined with Fountains Fellowship. This is the first year that we, uh, we went to camp with them, and uh, they were absolutely awesome. They brought 120 kids just by themselves. 120 kids. I don't know if that's actually a youth trip or an actual migration, all right? <laughs> So um, we had uh, we had nine, um, and uh, so whenever I saw 120 kids all together, by the way, as an adult, you see 120 teens just milling about. You start to question life choices, maybe even like think, uh, you know, did I outline my will yet? All these kind of things. Um, but uh, they, we got to know uh, pastors David and Ben at Downs Fellowship, and they didn't even blink. They were so awesome. They made our trip great. Um, as a church, let's talk about how amazing it is that we can even have a youth takeover day. Okay, um, that's a victory. We haven't had a youth-led service in a minute, and whenever I actually brought it up to our youth group a couple weeks back, their ears literally perked up. I didn't even know that was humanly possible. I thought that was reserved for dogs and like very attentive hamsters. So uh, seeing that actually happen was awesome. I was so excited, uh, and so were they. And um, us having a youth-led service means that we are doing something right in this church. We are doing something right. Uh, kids that want to come to church, that's a minor miracle, okay? Kids that actually want to show up to church, that's that can be difficult. Kids that want to serve in church, serve, be a part of it, that's amazing. That's just, that's amazing. So I'm so, I'm so glad that as a church, we're so welcoming, we're so encouraging, we're so nurturing that we can let them use the tools that they have now, the skills that they've had this entire time that they've been developing, and we can celebrate them on this stage. Amen. It's been my pleasure to have these students for three years. Three years. And um, they learned, uh, we've learned a lot from each other. Uh, they've learned something about God's Word, hopefully. Uh, and I have learned uh, what to do uh, with my hands whenever I'm speaking in public. So um, I think we're, we're doing pretty good. Um, so um, I also, this is about celebrating what we do in this church every week. Okay? Because if you look around, our teams are awesome. Set up, tear down, uh, 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 Welcoming team, anything that happens uh, with uh, uh, food, what, champion kids, and hospitality, and we have uh, my entire tech team. Give my tech team a hand, please. My tech team, for the most part, is entirely youth-led, okay? And they are fantastic at their jobs. They work very hard to make sure that this stuff goes off without a hitch. So, today... I want to talk about how we can continue to be victorious, how we can not waste the victory. Okay, and actually that's the title that I have. Do we have something with that? Okay. Um, so, <laughs> uh, sometimes victory in the world, uh, you can, it can seem just out of your reach. Okay? Sometimes it feels like uh, the world's really ready to snatch victory right out of your hands. And um, today I uh, want to talk about um, how we can continue that past all those issues. Sometimes we get so used to losing, we forget what victory even looks like. Okay? Uh, now, I'm not a sports guy. I'm six foot nine. I stay at sports. Okay? Some people have trouble dealing with it. I've, I've accepted it. Of course, I've had it an entire lifetime. 
My brother, however, got all the sports ability. Okay? Like, uh, it's like God looked at it, it's like, let's make one of them tall, and let's make one of them really good at sports. And, and the, somebody was standing by, is like, well, what's the guy that's tall going to be good at? And he's like, he'll be good at being tall. <laughs> he can grab things up, stop shelf like champion. Um, but my brother's always been really good at it. And uh, so I want to tell a story about a little bit of heartbreak for my brother um, whenever he was eight years old. Okay? My brother um, had shown skill in basketball from a very young age. So my parents were constantly giving him opportunities to play in youth associations and whatnot. And so uh, he's eight years old, and uh, they get a little late in signing him up for basketball that year. So he misses the assessment. So I don't know if you guys know how this works. An assessment in youth association is basically so that they can know how much they need to teach you during that year. So they label you with a number. Basically, they ask all the kids to come out on the court, all the kids that want to play that year. They dribble, they shoot, they pass, they do all this stuff. And they label you from either a 10 to a 1. 10 being like, you're LeBron's, you're champs. 1 being the kid that's like, what's a basket? You know, and like this. Um, which is fine. Um, but they need to teach, they need to be taught. So my brother missed the assessment. So instead of a number, he had next to his name in a, okay? And A means not applicable. He wasn't there. So um, you would think that they would take all the NAs, all the kids that missed the assessment, and spread them out across several teams. That didn't happen. Um, they put them all on one team. My brother was on the Bad News Bears of basketball. <laughs> and uh, so most kids, they didn't do the assessment because they may be a little bit afraid of what the assessment might have said about them. So instead, they were all on the same team this time with my brother as like the star player. So they would constantly be feeding him the ball. Just make sure Cole gets the ball, make sure he gets the ball. Well, the problem is that whenever one guy can play, the entire other team mills around that dude. So you've got a five-on-one defense, and he can't do anything. All right? So <laughs> it's a 10-game season. By game four, we were pretty sure we were never going to score a point. We hadn't scored a point for four games. Not one, okay? Now, game five, my dad, for some sadistic reason, decided to bring a camera. It worked out fine. I'll tell you why in a second. But he, we had this video, and we watched it constantly because of Colt's reaction to what happened. My brother, um, it, up until this point, was dealing with some real... He was really down about the team. He was just like, I don't want to go anymore. Like, they're just going to feed it to me, and I can't get a shot off. I can't do anything. They're just, I'm just getting constantly pummeled on the court by... You know, and he's eight years old, so he's really feeling down. He's just like, I don't want to go anymore. And um, so uh, the game five, about third quarters, things start happening. Something awesome happens. Kid, Colt feeds his kid the ball, and he holds on to it, and it dribbles a little bit. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing, right? <laughs> then another kid sets up a screen for my brother. I didn't know that they knew what a screen was. It was amazing. So they, he passes through, and the guy feeds him the ball, and my brother goes, dribble, dribble and puts it up for the layup. Bounce, 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 swish. He scored. And the look on my brother's face was one of shock and excitement. Like, like, a, like a caveman who just discovered a zippo lighter, like, <laughs> And he stood there for a good, I want to say it felt like 30 seconds, probably it was only like five. But because, the reason why I felt so fast is because the other team had already gained possession of the ball and were shooting it, we're, we're already on their way to the other side of the court. 
So my brother snaps at him for a second and starts running. But midway through, he's like, oh, i got to celebrate. Oh, my gosh. And so he starts Michigan J. Frogging it down there. Hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. All the way down. And they still lost by 28 points, guys. My brother was celebrating the touchdown whenever the team lost the rest of the game, you know? And uh, so he... <laughs> but he walked away smiling because he had to hold on to that victory. He'd been so beaten down that the smallest thing was a victory to him. And sometimes that's how it feels. Sometimes it feels like we need to cherish the smaller victories because they seem so few and far between. But here's some good news. I've got some good news for you today. We are already victorious. Okay, so let's look at a passage at Rome, in Romans 8. It's going to be Romans 8, 35. Hold on, I really need some water. That was a long story. <laughs> So uh, it says here in verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I'm apparently having some trouble with this. Samuel, would you help me out here? Thank you. He is a lovely man, isn't he? Everybody give Samuel a hand around, please. All right. Okay. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sore? I want you to notice how the language goes from abstract to really concrete threats as we go through it. Um, we have trouble and hardship, and that's like real ethereal. Like, we, you know, trouble and hardship, that comes all the time. But whenever you get around to nakedness and sword, visions start coming into your brain, right? Like, ooh, nakedness or sword, this is really unnerving. It's like how the news will try to get you to click on their articles, right? They'll say, naked corpse, or, or sword count. I don't know who's, who's talking about sword. But anyway, <laughs> nakedness sword. So uh, he's trying, this is Paul's way of trying to get your attention. It's like, will these things conquer us? And he's about to answer the question. In verse 37 it says, no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. What does it mean to be more than conquerors? And what are we conquering here? Anything that comes our way. Not just nakedness and swords. Sure, that's a problem. But all conquered through Jesus Christ. Personal problems. Professional, political. By the way, anyone here want to be president? Because uh, given the current slate, I will vote for anybody in this room. Maddox, you feeling presidential, brother? Um, right in Maddox, everybody. Okay. Um, verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, by the way, I know, depth, Sort of, no. Uh, nor anything else in all creation, anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Tell me that doesn't make you feel good. Tell me that doesn't make you feel good. We are already victorious because we have the love of God to lean on. Nothing can take us down as long as we have that. Okay. You want to know how to continue the victory? You want to know how to not waste what we got in camp, guys? You want to know how to continue this feeling? That I, like of the passage that I just read. Everybody pay attention because this is going to blow your hair back. Or in the case of me, it's going to give me a nice cooling feeling on my scalp. Um, <laughs> this little piece of advice will change your life. So everybody listen up. Listen to God and do what he says. Some of you are thinking, that's all simplistic. Maybe we shouldn't let the uh, tall guy talk on stage on Sundays. The air doesn't get to his brain from that high. Seriously, victory can be that simple. Listen to God and do what he says. 
Okay? Now, there are three, uh, we're going to be in 1 Samuel, for those of you that have your Bibles. Um, there are three points associated with this idea of listening to God and doing what he says. The first one, surroundings. Okay? Um, how many people here know that, that environment impacts your attitude? I, I got a personal testimony on this. I spent a week with some teenage boys in a cabin. Uh, it changes your, your perspective on a lot of stuff. <laughs> in my case, it was uh, mostly humor. I used to think of myself as kind of highbrow. Like, as far as my jokes were concerned, and now I come home and jokes about flatulencers, like, as my wife likes to call them, booty burps, I think they're hilarious. So, uh, you know, I used to be like, oh, I don't need these gassy jokes, and then I'm watching Ridiculous Six the past week, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. So, surroundings can have a big impact on us. They do have a big impact on us. So we're going to talk about somebody that used their surroundings to their benefit, Okay. Uh, in 1 Samuel 3, um, Samuel, who was a prophet, um, and this is the story of how he first heard God whenever he was 12 years old. How many people believe that anybody can hear God? Anybody can hear the voice of God. Regardless, we tend to put an age on it, tend to put an experience on it. No, if you're open to it, God can talk to you. So it says here in verse 1, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. By the way, they constantly reference in Samuel the age of Eli. Like, he's old. So everybody just understand, where you hear Eli, think, old. Okay? The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Everybody knows this is the Ark of the Covenant. We've seen the movies, we've heard the stories. This is the Ark of the Covenant, and he's laying down where it is. It's very important because in the Ark, the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament always means the presence of God. Okay? So Samuel is laying down in the presence of God. And in verse 4 it says, Then the Lord called Samuel. I assume it's just Samuel. Um, and Samuel answered, Here I am, and he ran to Eli. Now, let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt here. He ran to Eli. Whenever he heard an ethereal voice say, Samuel, you can only assume that it was his mentor, Eli. Um, maybe God sounded a little bit like Eli that night. Who knows? But uh, he was also 12 years old, so how many uh, life-changing decisions have we made when we were 12 years old that we were really happy about? Okay? And said, uh, okay, so he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. And he went, so he went and lay down. Again, the call, Lord called Samuel, and this time there's an exclamation point. All right, so this is the Lord going, hey, I, that was me this time, So, but let's see what happens. Um, so, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Now, we're going to start to see a change in mood whenever it comes to Eli on this next piece, all right? Um, and you, don't, you adults with kids will definitely understand this. He said, uh, my son, Eli said, I did not call Go back and lie down. This is a kid that will not go to sleep. How many have been there? This is the kid that continues like, oh, can I get a drink of water? I don't want to go to sleep. I'm not ready. Like, yeah, no, you're going to sleep. But don't you understand? You don't go to sleep right now and you'll die. Like, I can die from not going to sleep? Yes. I'll kill you. Verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Um, this is a word of clarification, so we understand why he's kind of acting a little bit foolish whenever he's hearing his name being called and goes straight back to Eli, so it's like an Abbot Costello sketch. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. So verse 8, the third time, the Lord called, Samuel! 
Another exclamation point. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. By the way, really daring at this time, right? Um, and I wanted to say this. Do you ever get the feeling like God is face palming whenever it comes to this kind of stuff? It's like, Samuel! And he just walks back into Eli's like, oh. I'm right here. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli's figuring things out. Samuel hasn't yet. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, which I'm sure Sam's like, who's he? Say, speak, Lord, ah, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. So we're talking about surroundings here, and I want to talk about three things you must do for your surroundings if you want to listen to God and do what he says. Number one, personal time. Or, hey, personal time. Yes, there it is. Hey, personal time. Nothing more important to listening to God than building your relationship with him. You have to find time to be alone with God. That means reading your Bible. That means praying. That means meditating on Him. Everything hinges on your personal relationship with God, and that can only be possible if you are alone with Him. And I, look, Eli did not say, hey, go and hunt Jigglypuff. He said, go, lie down, and be alone, and listen. Because you can't hear Him while you're on your phone, guys. Matter of fact, I know everybody has the version app on their phone for their Bible. It's awesome. It's an awesome app. It's great. But I, I don't recommend it for your personal time. Let me explain why. There's tons of distractions on your phone. You get a text message and you're going to be drawn away from it right away. So get yourself a bound Bible. Open it up. Might crack a little. Don't be afraid. And read it that way. Spend your personal time with Jesus with your Bible. Um, B, find somebody to keep you motivated. This is why we have connect groups, which are starting up again soon. Um, we need people to keep us motivated so that we can continue down the path that God has planned for us. It is so important to have somebody there to keep you honest and to keep you committed and to keep you devoted. All right, And that's what connect groups are all about. It's about getting together, speaking about God's word, and building relationships. And who knows, I mean, relationships are the most important actions we can make here at church and at Connect Groups, please go to Connect Groups. Uh, find somebody to keep you motivated. C, go to church. Seems a little redundant. You're already at church. Some of you are like, okay. You know, pretty easy. I'm going to trip. That's right. I told you I'm not athletic. This is what happens when you put a carpet up here, Sam. I told you. All right. Why the church? A lot of people ask this question. A lot of people are like, why do I need to go to church? I can worship. I got my personal time down. Well, flat out, it's a place to serve. It's a place to serve. Those that have actually already been saved, Sunday mornings isn't necessarily for you. It's for the other people that haven't been. So come here to serve. Join a ministry. This is where you need to be. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. God's presence is felt when we gather to praise his name. And we gather at church. Okay. Number two, whenever it comes to this list of listening to God and doing what he says, you have to surrender. Okay, We surrender to someone when we love them more than anybody else and when we are afraid of them. Uh, let me give you an example. My wife. Uh, my wife uh, loves, uh, loves to watch the show called Gossip Girl. You guys ever heard of this one? It's uh, it's not it's not it's not for us, Tom. Um, 
And so uh, she, she occupies her Netflix. She will watch uh, Gossip Girl um, episode after episode. And uh, because I love her and because I fear her, I will uh, you know, surrender her the, the Netflix account for that period of time. Um, now you're asking, don't you have multiple TVs? Yes, this is my chance to practice surrendering and sulking. I let her know, hey, I love you, but this sucks. <laughs> so we surrender to God because we love him and because we fear him. Now fear doesn't necessarily mean that we're terrified of him. I mean, you, you, I guess you can be, but that's not the God that I, that I worship, okay? God didn't give us the spirit of fear, okay? Whenever we talk about fearing God, okay, in Proverbs it says to fear God is to hate evil. Hating evil, fearing God. How about this? If we hold, we have to hold his opinion above all, even that friend that you know is kind of judging your appearance or, or judging what you do and everything like that, that's a little bit of fear, right? That's, that's, that's a little bit of fear that's associated with that. You need to fear God more than that. You need to hold his opinion higher than that friend that's like, you know, the friend of me type, okay? So keep that in mind. So let's go back to uh, 1 Samuel in uh, verse 10. The Lord came and stood there. So before this, he was calling him, right? Now the Lord is coming in like, all right, man, enough. Let's talk. So he's going to be standing right there, getting, kind of letting Samuel know. It's like, I'm here. Stop going to Eli. Said, calling as of the other times, Samuel, Samuel, two calls, two exclamation points. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. That's Samuel surrendering to God. So whenever you're praying, remember that surrender is a part of listening to God. Okay, so whenever you're praying, make sure that you also say this prayer, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Allow that open channel of communication. That personal time is not just you speaking to God, it's him speaking to you. So make sure that you do that because you want to make sure that that pathway is open for him. That's not to say that following God is easy. It's not. You'll have no regrets if you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy for you. God tells Samuel some heartbreaking stuff about what's going to happen to Eli's family when he's standing there in front of him. Um, and Samuel holds Eli's family. This is his father figure. And he's finding out that, Sam, that Eli's family is not going to continue. He's been doomed because he has some very evil sons. And so Samuel's been told this, and he eventually has to tell Eli what's happening. Because Eli's like, look, you better tell me what the Lord said to you. I will, I will hold you in contempt. Uh, this is a courtroom, but whatever. You know what I mean. And uh, so Samuel does. He tells him, and he can see the heartbreak on his mentor's face. That's hard. It's hard to know that. It's hard to have to tell him that. It's hard to be the prophet on the bad news. But Samuel did it. He listened to God, and he did what he said. Many times, God's plan for us doesn't fall within our comfort zone. It just doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, Dane has told stories about how he never really had the inclination to be on stage. So one day, God told him, it's like, go up to the front. I want you to worship. I want you to figure that out. And now Dane's up here every week. It doesn't, doesn't, didn't necessarily fall in his comfort zone. But he does it because God has told him to do it. And Dane is an amazing worship pastor. And it's because he did what God told him. If you don't surrender to Christ, you'll surrender to the highest bidder. And there's tons of people that are bidding on your life. 
People spend money to get your attention. People spend tons of money, millions of dollars, just to get you to pay attention to what they have to say, to buy their product, to listen to their political ads. Look, if you're not going to listen to God, you're going to listen to one of them. Better to listen to God, guys. Much better to listen to God. Number three, success. Let's hear it. That's how I like to say it. Success. I'm sorry. We all want to be successful in what we do. Amen? Okay, we got uh, academics. Man, I want to go to this college. We got athletics. Man, I want to be a part of this sports team. Uh, business, man, I just want to get a job at this company, financial. If I just got that raise, I would be successful. But you'll find after, you, after a certain point in your life that nothing in this world will satisfy you. Nothing can satisfy you. And you'll always be beaten. Okay? That's the other thing. Yeah, you can go to that college, but somebody's going to be smarter than you. There's somebody smarter than you in this world. We're all ignorant about something, right? When it comes to athletics, you're eventually going to get older. Sorry, Samuel. And you're going to... <laughs> I have the microphone. Okay. Uh, you're eventually going to get older, and somebody's going to get faster than you. Somebody's going to get better than you at basketball. Maybe it'll be me. Maybe I'll get better with age. You know, that fine line. But, but um, eventually, you'll run out of money. Eventually, if you continue to spend it, and that's why you have it, eventually you run out of money. And if you get success by the world standard, you will be beaten. So you want to know what success is? You want to know what success is? As Dan comes up, you want to know what success is? Success is what the next verse says about Samuel. Verse 19, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. None of his words fell to the ground. They were spoken, and they were heard, and everybody understood who Samuel was. That's true success in this world. To be that person that walks down the street and they're like, I don't know what it is about that guy, but Christ is with him. The Lord is with him. The Lord speaks to that person, and he listens, and he does what the Lord says. That's true success, guys. That's true success in the Lord, and it's true success to everybody else around you. Because whenever you do that, something different happens to you. You have a different look. You hold yourself differently. You can hold yourself in confidence. And love just kind of pours off of you. Verse 20 says, In all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, recognize that Samuel was attested. Dan to Beersheba, that's all of Israel. That's the north and the south. They say it a lot in the Bible. Um, it's uh, said, it, I think, nine times. And basically, it just means that they're, they're covering their bases. All of Israel recognized that Samuel was attested or certified as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear child, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. That's successful, guys. So why was Samuel so successful? He listened to God, and he did what he said. Adults... I want to tell you, it's never too late to have that victory. It's never too late to have that victory. I know I speak to kids all the time. I know that's what I, you know, I, I spend all my time doing that. And But i got to tell you guys, it's never too late to have victory. If you're not dead, it's not done. God has a plan for all of us. And it's never too late to find that path. As long as you, as long as you listen to God and do what he says. Surrender to what he wants for you. Living a victorious life, continuing the victory, not wasting it. 
Living a victorious life is living a life without regrets. A life spent chasing Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak today, Lord. And I thank you for the victory that you've given us, God, in your name. Uh, Father God, sometimes it's difficult to, to follow your plan or to, or to even find time to listen to you, Lord. I pray that everybody in this room would take that time, God, that, that they would never hesitate to find a place to be alone with you and to listen to what you have to say, Lord. I pray that they would also find a place, find somebody, if not a connector, if they can't make that happen, Lord, I pray that they would find somebody in this world that would motivate them, that would encourage them in you, God. And I pray that they would find a chance to serve, Lord. Lord, let them surrender. Let them surrender to you, God. Father God, uh, this is a very important message, and I hope that uh, they take it on their hearts. In Jesus' name. That's all we have for now. Tune in next time when we'll start the I Love the 90s series. I think you're really going to like it.